Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello everybody, it's Matt Larkin here with Stephen Ellis. Welcome to Puck Poolies and we can finally say it Stephen. It's our season opening edition of Puck Poolies because the hockey season is here. The NHL regular season calendar, it kicks off tonight. We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. Stephen, how are you doing, my friend? And what are you most excited for this season? I'm doing awesome. You know, I uh, I'm obviously very excited to see Connor Bedard play. Uh, I think that's you know you're going to get to see him in person next week, so that's awesome. But uh, I think it just it's been so long since kind of getting to watch him play at the like under 15, under 16 level and see him kind of develop through. And and now this feels real. And with all due respect to the preseason, I was a big preseason fan before this year, but could. Holy moly, I'm surprised it's over at this point. That was the longest preseason like in the history of the planet. Considering like two years ago, what is it? There was no preseason. Or was it the during the, the COVID year, 2020, 2021, there was no preseason. So way too long, but I'm excited to see Bedard. What are you most excited to see? Ooh, great question. I mean, Bedard is definitely the, the first thing that comes to mind. But if there's something else, I think it's the Buffalo Sabres. They were already oh, yeah. an extremely exciting team to watch last year. Missed the playoffs by one point. They're right there. You have Devin Levi, who's made the team, is going to be the starter as the season gets going. And I just think if they can finally end that NHL record playoff streak at 12 years, it'll be pretty epic. That'll be a place I want to be, the first playoff game in Buffalo in more than a decade. So, I'll also add that in my uh, we did our six team because now it's six now four team draft and I uh, got Connor Bedard in my draft. I'm not confident in him. I got Jack Hughes, Bedard, Kachuk, both Kachuks actually. Uh, uh, my top defenseman was Adam Fox, and my top goalie when I had gone all out goalie in my other draft, uh, I only got Georgiev, which is a good goalie. But I am not. We we changed the rules this year after discussions on the show that I'm only we're going to have one goalie start every single night. You still have to meet those three goalie starts per. Per week, but now you got to be really smart on who you're picking. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is sixteen. This is expansion. Like your your yeah. league grew from four to six. Amazing. Four to six. So we original. Hey, six. Who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we we'll do eight next year. But uh, we yeah we're at six now, and uh, it's it's a very strong group this year. It's uh, we're looking at the teams. You expect for teams that short or that, that few teams to be very competitive, but it seems like everyone did their research this summer, especially considering a few of them were referencing the Puck Coolies podcast when we were doing the draft. Amazing. Okay. Well, Stephen, now. It's time to sort of launch into our regular season format, which is talking pickups. So I think it's time to launch it. If you're ready to go, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. It is time to start with the Shadow League pickup of the week, a guy that we were talking about not picking up last year, and it is Jack Campbell from Edmonton. Yes, and a qualifier, when I mentioned availability, I'm using Yahoo Leagues as the default, the most common league, the most popular league. So it's still a good benchmark. It's probably pretty similar, the ownership tag in, in other leagues. But Jack Campbell available in 63% of leagues. And I think we have to look at the context in which Campbell is starting to rise. It's not like uh, Stuart Skinner had a, just an iron grip on that starting gig, pulled four times in the playoffs alone last spring. You have the pressure of Jack Campbell making $5 million. There's sort of an invisible pressure to show that you made a good investment if you're Ken Holland. So there's sort of a temptation to play Campbell more in that sense. Preseason, 971 save percentage for Jack Campbell. And Coach Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton, he said it's an open competition. So right now, it looks like it might even be a 50-50 split going into the season. That means a huge drop for Stuart Skinner in the rankings. But Jack Campbell, it seems like people are slow to react based on the preseason because often it's true. Preseason can sometimes mean overhype. In this case, it's a very actionable item. And it's not inconceivable now that Jack Campbell is the more valuable goaltender in fantasy this season. And that absolutely means he should be owned in pretty much every league right now. He was open when he was in Toronto and we, we saw him in person as a, someone who would beat up on himself if things weren't going right. And last year in Edmonton, we saw that just he didn't seem like he was playing anywhere near like what we knew he was able to. And maybe, you know, playing behind a Toronto team that was pretty solid maybe helped him. But he played behind the Oilers. Like it wasn't like he was playing like on a bottom feeding team. He was still in one of the best teams last year and seemed to fall apart. But I think this is someone when you take the spotlight away from him, he could shine. We saw that in L.A. Uh, Toronto, obviously, I thought he looked a lot better than maybe a lot of people expected. With Edmonton, I think that he's still got a legitimate shot here. At maybe even taking back the starts. Maybe he plays 55, 60 games this year. Um, you know, the preseason, it's it's could be very misleading. Um, obviously, that no one's really playing a full strength. And even, like, finding stats from website to website could be different. Um, but with Campbell, I'm still a believer. I think that it's kind of like with Huberto and Calgary, different position. Someone who just didn't seem very comfortable in the first year. I'm expecting a big bounce back season. I do believe in Campbell. He knows he has to prove himself with that big salary. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Speaking of somebody who needs to improve, uh, prove themselves, Oliver Ekman Larson, given that uh, he was just bought out over the summer and now he's starting with a new team. Yeah, he's the medium league pickup of the week. It might be a short-term pickup, but it could be a pretty valuable one early in the season. Available in 90% of leagues. And of course, we already know no Brandon Montour, no Aaron Ekblad until probably mid-December, give or take. And it seemed like Gustav Forsling was going to be the beneficiary and get that power play one time in the Montour spot. But right now, going into the season, it's actually actually Oliver ekman Larson who's getting that look. So that means Forsling, he's still going to be a valuable defenseman, but he's not going to get the big spike we were hoping for. And in the short term, it makes Oliver ekman Larson a priority pickup. And right now, it looks like it's going to be Matthew Kachuk, Alexander Barkov, Evan Rodriguez, Sam Reinhart, and OEL on that unit. So 
pretty solid group there. Chance for Ekman Larson to pile up points at probably his highest rate since his glory days in Arizona. So I like him as, if you haven't drafted yet, a late pick. If you've already drafted, an early season waiver ad. The thing about him, you know, being bought out, and obviously it didn't go so well in Vancouver or those those last couple of years in Arizona, but it wasn't that he was like a terrible defenseman. He just wasn't worth $8.25 million at, at, at what he's making now, like $2.25, I think it is. Like, that's actually a really good deal. So, uh, especially where he's going in Florida, where like, the opportunity is there to say, like, hey, we're still a good team. We're missing some key parts due to injury and some other guys left over the summer. Who's going to step up, you know? I think that's perfect. You know, Vancouver is a is a sizzling market where if you struggle, everyone is aware of it. Maybe not so in Florida. Obviously, Florida had a huge playoff run last year, a lot more eyes on them. But I still feel like the pressure level is completely different. And I think we will see a nice bounce back from him this year. Uh, Ridley Gregg is your deep league pickup of the week. It's an interesting one because Ottawa, you know, Josh Norris was skating today. So it looks like we're making him back. But Shane Pinto is still not there. So interesting situation in Ottawa. That's right. So available in 99% of leagues. So he's pretty much free almost everywhere. I did scoop him in my league. So we know Josh Norris, he's skating, but he was skating throughout the preseason. There were lots of mini optimistic reports about Josh Norris. He was waiting for that medical clearance. He's still being described as out indefinitely. He was playing in the non-contact jersey in practice. It goes on and on and on. It just seems like this is going to be a saga that drags out for a while. And like you said, Shane Pinto not signed. So at the moment, the number two center job in Ottawa is up for grabs, even if Norris suddenly finds his way back in the lineup. Number three center is out there. But what we're looking at to start the season right now at the time of recording is Ridley Gregg between Vladimir Tarasenko and Drake Batherson. And this is a first-round draft pick in real life. Had nine points in 20 games as a rookie last year, 33 hits in 20 games. So you could get something like 45, 50-point pace and one and a half, two hits per game. And... Who knows how long he can hold this role? Because again, it just sounds like the prognosis for Norris is very murky. Even if he ends up back in the lineup, there's no guarantee he doesn't get hurt again. Still waiting on Pinto. So to me, Ridley Gregg is a very intriguing and decent upside considering he's someone you can get in any league right now, given the role he's going to be in to start the year. Yep, I agree. I'm a Ridley Gregg uh, believer. Last year, I was a huge Shane Pinto um, believer. And obviously when that start of the season looked great, it's like, oh yeah, like this looks great. And then, it felt like he scored like all his goals in the first like month of the season. He fell off a cliff. That was the issue last year. No rookie was consistent month to month. And uh, so I, I think with, with Greg, though, I like the opportunities there. I do think Ottawa should take a step forward. They'll take a bigger step forward when they're at full health and they've got everyone in the lineup. But really, Greg is one of the toughest players I've seen go up against anybody. You know, watching him at that World Juniors in person, 2022, he was near MVP level quality before he got injured. I think it was in the quarterfinal. Just just everywhere on the ice, the type of guy that every team needs. And still, and I've, I've mentioned it a few times when I've written about him, he's still one of the very few players to be suspended from an NHL game before he ever actually played. <laughs> so uh, all because of a preseason game. So that one's pretty good. Uh, all right. It is time for the WTF pickup of the week, and it is going to Logan Cooley out of Arizona. You know, you look in the past, Arizona has not always been a hockey hotbed for fantasy hockey, but this year it's starting to change. Yeah, and it feels like we're talking about Logan Cooley on the show every week, and that's why he's in the WTF category, as in, what are people doing? Are you not listening? You're not listening to us on this show? We've been saying since last year he's the best skater prospect. In Last year he was the best before the 2023 
draft class came in. Even after that draft class, he's one of the best three, four skater prospects in the world. He's available in 71% of Yahoo leagues right now. He had four goals in six preseason games. He's already on the second line. He's already on power play two. And it seems like you can make a case. He was the best forward on the Coyotes throughout the preseason. It's not like it's coming out of nowhere. He had the pedigree. He's expected to be awesome. He's expected to be the best challenger to Bedard for the Calder Trophy. What are we doing out here, people? Go get him. I don't care if it's even in a shallow league. You can put him on your bench. Any league, medium size or bigger, you should be getting him right away. I was lucky to draft him in my keeper league last week. That's about the only thing that's going right for my terrible team this year. Yeah, I... Uh, uh basically for one of the guys I, who, who in my pool listens to this every week, he ended up picking Cooley and I don't think Barrett Hayden got picked, but with Cooley, it's like, yeah, man, the, the hype's real here. The hype's real. And I'm excited. The Arizona Coyotes could play, be a playoff team this year, which <laughs> this time last year, we're talking about how much of a disaster everything was. And they were switching to a new arena and things like that. And I feel like just now the vibe is just like fun. The Coyotes are fun. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. The tip of the week. It is that early in the season, first two weeks specifically, your best opportunity to steal good players off the waiver wire. Yes, and I, I believe I've given some variation of this tip before, but I want to expand on it because it's so important in the first couple of weeks of the season. So to me, if you're trying to get a leg up on your competition by finding a gem off the waiver wire or using your waiver priority, if you're doing that in January, the potential for impact is not going to be what it is right now because for two reasons. One, at this time of year, it's sort of the no one really knows anything time of the season. You don't know exactly how the line deployments are going to shake out. You don't know which rookies are really going to turn out to be the really good ones. So there's going to be certain guys available on waivers right now that are actually going to be really high impact players for the season. For example, let's say Stuart Skinner a year ago. And that's why it's important to be very active. Most people might say, uh, I'm not going to touch my team too much in the first week. I want to see what I have. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you want to have one or two revolving door swing pieces in case you catch that lightning in a bottle. This is the time to do it because no one knows. Like a good example, for example, let's say let's say Matt Poitras in, in Boston. He makes the team. He's probably the third line center, but what if he's suddenly the second line center? That was something that was discussed, experimented with in the preseason. You scoop him off waivers and suddenly you have a second line center on the Boston Bruins for the whole year. There's There's sort of windows where you can find that gem that won't be available later the other thing is i say do that but i don't say do it with your waiver priority right now is the time to save that waiver priority for a week or two because this is the time of year where you're going to get a frustrated gm overreacting especially in a head-to-head league if someone suffers a really big loss in the first week or two they're buried in the standings Every single year, you're going to see a good player get dropped who should not have been dropped. And that's why you sit on that waiver priority. I don't really sit on it all through the season. I like to use it whenever there's an opportunity, except for this first time. The first swing, you want to wait because someone will get dropped that should not have been dropped. And that's when you swoop, pounce on that emotional GM after two, three weeks, specifically in a head-to-head format. Yep, I like that. With, with Linus Olmark, I gave up on him way too early last year. Like, and I'm like, there's no way that this is actually going to last the whole year. And then he proceeded to have one of the best Vesna seasons we've seen in a long time. So, oops, it didn't matter. I still had Justerkin. I still had uh, Sorokin, too. Like, I didn't really need him, but, like, man, that one hurt. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. You got to be aggressive at the beginning. It's kind of like you, you mentioned in the draft. Um, it's kind of the opposite of where the beginning of the draft, that's when you play safe and get the picture you need. And the second half is when you get aggressive. It's almost like now this is the time to get aggressive. Exactly. There's just opportunities that will not be there later. I remember 
there's players over the years that were sort of like, it's most common that you get a young player with good pedigree who's off to a slow start and then the GM thinks it's not happening. So I think there was one year where I got young Vladimir Tarasenko because he was, he had a slow first few games. And I, I realized, uh, what? There's no way this guy should be available. I scooped him up and he had a huge breakout season. So those are the types of players to watch out for. Pedigreed players who maybe are just off to slightly slow starts. Now, to add to this, is Zach Benson someone people should be looking at right now? As I, I'm kind of on the board of, I think he still could go back to the WHL. but And I still think Poitras should go back to the, uh, to the OHL. But when it comes to Benson, it's like, you might as well ride the wave, right? Absolutely. And, and I have my final version of the top 300 fantasy rankings on the website right now. And Zach Benson has been added to inside the top 300 because he's the quintessential. Just take your swing with your final pick. Who cares if it's JT Comfer that you're dropping for Zach Benson? You can get JT Comfer back on waivers in a couple of weeks or Jaden Schwartz, one of those meh 40 point veteran waiver wire guys those guys are a dime a dozen zach benson has extreme offensive talent i know you're a huge champion of him steven and you never know what if he ends up finding his way into the top six and staying there and just having a massive breakout it's entirely possible he's sent down after nine games sure but what if he isn't just just pay to find out when the price is nothing when the price is dropping you're just most random droppable veteran go for it yeah i can't complain there i agree Okay, now it's time to switch gears. We're going to talk a little bit of hockey betting with our friend, Rachel Dory. She is up next. Okay, we are very excited to bring back one of our favorite guests from last season. Rachel Dory is here, data consultant and sports betting analyst. And one of the reasons why we're so excited to have her back, last year we did a lot of fantasy hockey, but I remember we finished the show and Rachel, you were hinting at how you have so much more to offer in terms of betting advice. We're very excited about that. We're very excited to learn from you today. But first of all, how are you doing? I know we had a bit of connection problems. It's, you, I think your audio is good. Video's a little choppy. Is everything okay out there where you are? Everything's okay. I moved into a new condo this past weekend. So we're still getting everything set up, including the internet. It was a little touch and go this morning on whether or not I was even going to be able to uh, make it. But that's what cell phones are for. So I'm doing well. I have to get everything like unpacked and like the studio set up um so yeah it's it's going well but i'm excited for hockey season excellent well we appreciate you taking some time away from the unpack to give us some tips so we're going to launch right into it uh first off i just want to start general and i'm curious from your perspective on what is unique about betting on hockey specifically compared to other major pro sports yeah i think with hockey um apart from basketball um, it's different from basketball, baseball, football, soccer, because hockey's still the statistics that are used for betting. So things like shots on goal, um, block shots are all marked by office officials. And so there's a human error. Whereas in the NFL, it's pass attempt is a pass attempt or a rush attempt is a rush attempt. In basketball, you either made the basket or you didn't. It's still a shot attempt. In baseball, I mean, it's sabermetrics, right? So that's been the most binary counting stat like sport for a long time whereas in hockey we're relying on human error and until things start to get corrected with algorithms through partnerships with staff leads or SAS um, that issue is going to exist and so I think you're kind of if you're betting on something like a shot on goal or a block shot kind of at the mercy of the office officials which is not always great especially when you're dealing with multi-billion dollar industries like gambling yeah like we sit 
sometimes in front of at Leaf games will sit in front of the, oh uh, my God. the guys who have stats. And it's like, wow, that stat is not correct. Like, I'm pretty sure that guy did nowhere near the puck. Um, those guys drive me crazy, by the way. Just when you're, if you're in front of one of those officials during the game, they're in your ear, like shot attempt, shot hit. And it just, it makes, it's like an earworm. It makes me crazy. I can't. And there's, there was one time it was Steven, Mike Stevens and I were all sitting below that box and where they were counting. And like, I heard a stat and I looked at Steven and I just went, that's, that's not what happened. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. It's like, I was just like, uh, what? I'm watching this game. I know that's not the case. And that's a oh tough job. I would not want to be someone who has to do that like on the fly for the NHL. But yeah, it's there's a lot of incorrect uh, decisions there. Now, speaking of mistakes, what's the biggest mistake a novice hockey better can make? I know there's a lot of ways you can kind of take that. Yeah, there's... Uh, first of all, parlays. I see so many novice betters that are like, I'm just going to hit parlays because they <laughs> see somebody on Twitter hit a parlay and it's like, you don't realize that parlays hit like one in every 25 30 like there's a reason those odds are what they are and it's because books love when you parlay you never win yeah like i got when i'll give you a i'm not gonna say which sports book but a sports book banned me from betting on alternate shots last season because i won so many parlays consecutively they assumed i was cheating somehow and I'm like, no, it's just you guys don't know what you're doing. But parlays, generally speaking, whether it's on the money line, over, under, hockey is such a volatile game, such a random game. It's the sport where skill is least attributed to success, and it's a lot of random chance and luck. And so the worst thing a, a hockey better can do who's just getting started is just parlaying all manner of things. It's easier to go with straight bets whether it's player props or money lines or puck lines or over under totals much easier much more profitable to go with straight bets okay and i'm glad you mentioned sort of just the randomness of the sport it's a thing i struggle with i remember a couple of years ago the red wings i think they had the worst record in the entire millennium and they beat the president's trophy winner that year twice <laughs> and because of that I struggle even with the basic bets, just a, a standard money line or puck line because of that variance. So do you have any specific tip when it comes to those type of normal bets? Yeah, so I've launched something. Um, I call him Kevin. It's a different type of model that really hasn't been done in hockey. Um, it's a neural network model that uses artificial intelligence. Cool. And the way that you make money in the long term, Dom Lustrigian has talked about this a lot, is finding value on the lines. It's not about, so if you win in hockey, if you win six out of 10 favorites versus four out of 10 underdogs, you're actually more likely to win more money on the on the four underdog bets than you would have on all those favorites bets because the, the lines just don't pay enough. So finding that value, so I'll give you an example. Last year, Arizona came to Toronto and they were plus 425 on the money line. Toronto, like any first of all, anybody who knows anything yeah, about yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs knows <laughs> that that's an automatic <laughs> loss. But if you use your brain, no hockey team should be more than 80% to win in in a, on any given night because of the randomness. So that's an automatic bet for me. Anytime mm -hmm. I see something that's plus 300, that's 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's like an automatic bet because it's about finding value as opposed to winning the most bets. So a better that wins 55% of their bets, but their betting favorites is going to make less than a better who wins 45% but is only betting on underdogs or majority underdogs. And so that's what I would say is the underdogs are super profitable in hockey. Last year, the team that was most profitable for me was the Arizona Coyotes. Mm. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. So, you know, when it comes to prop bets and game betting, what is the best type to kind of bet on? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say player props is where the market's at in – all of sports pretty much because depending on what book you get, um, they specialize in certain sports and not every um, book has the best lines. So like last year, um, Mike Hoffman's line, Mike Matheson's line, Drake Batherson's line, Jared McCann's line, um, a few other Rasmus Dahlin's line were all skewed. Brandon Montour's line at the beginning of the year was skewed when Ekblad was out. So it's about going through and finding skewed lines. Or let's say a player is coming back from injury and we know the context of, okay, player's probably not going to play that much. Austin Matthews, great example, is coming back from injury. His shot line's at four and a half. And I'm like, Sheldon Keefe said that he's got limitations tonight. He's not shooting the puck. And lo and behold, he got like two shots that game. And so you have to look and understand the context to do your research. That's where the money's made. On in-game betting, it's not really made unless you can find a book that offers you who is going to take the next penalty, in which case you just bet the opposite team every single time and you don't think about it. Hmm, this is interesting. I'm already learning a lot. Um, so at the time of recording, the puck is not being dropped on the season yet. We're hours away. So I feel like it's still fair to ask, Rachel, what is your favorite team futures bet for the 2023-24 season? This might be the hottest take I have. <laughs> it's, yeah, I have Anaheim over 67 and a half points. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. It's, I, now, I do not think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I actually have my surprise team to make the playoffs, and it really shouldn't even be a surprise as the Sabres. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I see them getting in, but Anaheim over 67 and a half. That Pacific division is really interesting to me. I think now that they've got Trevor Zegras signed, Jamie Drysdale signed, those are two really key pieces for them. So you've got a top six that's got Strom, Henrik, um, Zegras, McTavish, Terry, and now you've got Leo Carlson, and he is injured, but it doesn't seem like it's a long-term thing. They've actually got a pretty formidable one, two, three down the middle. I like how their defense is developing, and I'm never going to count out that Lucas Dostal can usurp John Gibson and really have a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't think Anaheim's going to be anywhere near the playoffs, I think conceivably they could be in the neighborhood of 75 points. I like this. I'm a big Anaheim Ducks fan right now. I uh, And they also have great jerseys. I'm sorry, people. I saw some rank- rankings of their, their home jersey being way down at the bottom. It's like, no, Well, like here's the thing is Anaheim's jerseys now compared to what they used to be aren't as good. The Mighty Ducks jerseys are some of the best jerseys to mm-hmm. ever grace the sport. And they That's got rid of them. And it's like, bring them back. What are you doing? It's I, right there. Purple, too. Like, there aren't many purple teams that capitalize. The Kings should be using that purple. I agree all the oh way. Oh, my God. The Kings jerseys, too. Yeah, the purple and yellow ones. Can we get more purple up yes, in here, please? Yes, please. Thank you. Purple and yellow. My favorite jersey combination, for sure. Uh, okay, so you talked about team. I guess, give us your favorite players futures bet that you love oh oh man there's a couple i'm gonna go the awards route um and i'm gonna go value obviously Connor bedard is the overwhelming favorite for the calder and he should be but if you're looking for some value logan cooley at plus 800 is somebody i really like i think arizona is gonna be better than chicago cooley is one of those guys that because of how he does things he's flashy he's razzle dazzle reminds me a lot of trevor zegers in his rookie year Cooley is going to get a lot of attention and if Bedard either falters or gets hurt kind of like McDavid did in his rookie year I think Cooley is the most likely to step up so he's my guy there but in terms of um who else like I like Patterson for the Selkie as a value bet at plus 1200 my favorite player bet going into the year though is um Connor Bedard over 32 and a half goals. I think that shot is going to be very similar to Line a and Matthews when they broke into the league. Goalies had a lot of issues with it, and hearing goalies talk about Bedard's shot already in the same way they talked about Matthews. Matthews scored 40 in his first year, and Connor Bedard's going to be playing with Nick Felino and Taylor Hall. Now, they're obviously past their prime, but Taylor Hall can still win pucks, can still score, can still kind of retrieve pucks and get them to the scoring areas. I think that that's a great opportunity for Bedard. So I see him probably getting closer to 35 goals than his total at 32 and a half. Yeah, I can't believe 32 and a half. I wrote about it actually last week because I predicted that Bedard was going to have the most goals by a rookie since Alex Ovechkin in 0506. And even if you just look at the environment, like the scoring league wide compared to even what it was in 2016 17 is so much higher. It's at, I think, a 29 year high. So the yeah. fertile offensive environment plus the shot, I almost want to like pause the podcast and go place that bet right now it's that's free money right now my gosh wow uh rachel this is fantastic really great advice really useful advice that i feel like i want to try as soon as we're done the show uh but before we let you go just let us know uh, what do you have going on right now where can we find you what's the latest work you have out there yeah so you can find me the model that i mentioned i've actually chosen to make it publicly available so this year every single morning on the hockey news betting site i will be posting 
the model and kind of what it projects from a not only just a money line perspective but also a totals perspective so you'll be able to kind of do some research i've got some plans for some trending bets so check out the hockey news the staffing graph podcast is where you can find me as well um and then on twitter at rachel dory there's a lot of stuff happening there and i'll be posting stuff betting wise um every day so that's where you can find me amazing thank you so much Okay, that was great from Rachel. Educational as always for a couple of betting novices like us. Uh, Stephen, let's talk prospects now. And this is another guy I feel like we've been talking about a lot throughout the preseason, but he sort of made himself impossible not to notice. Matt Coronado on the Calgary Flames, one of the stars absolutely of the preseason. What are you noticing in him right now that has you so excited? Well, it's just kind of the way he's just taking control. Um, when you look with him in Calgary, I think everyone knew he was going to be there. But what what role was he going to have this year with the team? And I'm not sure I expect a top six right away. Um, but, you know, he's a smaller guy, 5'10", doesn't really throw a ton of hits. But he's got the speed, the skill, and, and everything you're looking for there. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of points last year where I looked at Sean Farrell in, in the Montreal Canadiens prospect at Harvard and said, like, this guy is going to be awesome. But Coronado would then steal my eye, um, you know, with, he's a goal scorer. He puts a lot of goals. We saw that in the preseason. Uh, he got to play one NHL regular season game last year to get a bit of a taste of what it was like there. And I think, you know, for him, what really stood out to me was his play at the World Championship. I know you don't love that event, but he really proved he can play against quality pro players and, and take control. And he was playing on the power play. He was shooting from everywhere. He was putting up some good numbers. He was one of the best players for the United States. And I think that with, with this uh, start of the season here. He's got an opportunity. He's riding the hype train. Like he could start off really well here. And I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, again, the preseason is the preseason, but he still looked like the best Calgary flame and he still looked like the best rookie for sure. So I think Coronado is someone who's just, he knows how to put pucks in the net. You're not going to rely on him to play a physical game, maybe not even defensively, but if you put him in those scoring opportunities and you give him the guys to set him up there, I think this is someone who, you know, 45 points, 50 points this year is not out of the question um, for sure. And uh, Calgary's a team that wants to push themselves back in the playoffs. They definitely believe they could still do it. They still have a decent core. They need everyone to kind of start moving. I think a few of the distractions that we saw maybe at the beginning of the summer where some of those guys might not come back. We've seen a few resignings. We've seen a bit more clarity, I think, in the situation for the Flames. I think that's, you know, there's a, there's some promising moments here coming up. And I think Coronado is going to be a big part of that. So I like I like him a lot. Yeah, I'm with you, and it's kind of exciting to see the shift away from the Daryl Sutter, no kids can ever play philosophy, and uh, I think it's encouraging if you're a Flames fan just to see that from Craig Conroy and, and Ryan Huska. And I will give you credit, Stephen, the World Championship, I don't love it as a tournament in terms of what it proves, but as a proving ground for young players, we saw what it did for Dylan Cousins, great World Championship, then busts out with the Sabres, mm -hmm. and I actually have... Uh, tabbed JJ Paterka as a sleeper for this year as well because he yeah. had a great world championship last year so I am a believer in the world championship bump when it comes to young players I will say like you know this is this is gonna be a little bit more out of left field but William Nylander after he signed the deal with the Leafs and played like some of those worst hockey we've seen him play in his pro career goes to the world championship has one of the best performances I've seen and he talked about how that confidence there really helped him going into the summer and then he played very well I think it was at the time the next year was his best NHL season at the time. So things like that, you know, you can get that confidence back and show like, yeah, I could do this. That goes a long way, even if there's a long summer, but it's better going into the summer, like with all this confidence, like, oh, I didn't just end the season on like a disappointing college loss. It's like, no, I proved I could play against quality competition. I had a chance to play for a medal. Things like that can go a long way, I think. 
For sure. Well said. Willie Nealander, my God, he just turns into Jesus Christ when he's at the World Championship. I don't know what it is. He needs to be able yeah. to like bottle that and use it for all performances in the future. Uh, Steven, let's talk best bets. And this is not a particularly nuanced bet, okay? My best bet of the week. Uh, I'm keeping it real simple. And if you're listening to this, hopefully before the puck is dropped on Tuesday, I just want you to Place a bet on Connor Bedard to score a goal in his first NHL game. He's going up against Sidney Crosby. This is a player who every time we've seen him on a bigger stage, let's say the World Junior Championship, he just explodes and steps up. If he get, if he's against elevated competition, it doesn't matter. Obviously, he looked very impressive in the preseason. His release is so deceptive. He can shoot from so far away, and he has the sort of waggle, that deceptive waggle that Austin Matthews has. I just don't think the moment's going to be too big for Connor Bedard. He's not the type that I'm going to expect to be too nervous to perform in his first NHL game. And I just think this is absolutely a generational talent, and generational talents deliver when the expectations are big. I just love him as a goal scorer in his first game. I think he does it. I think there's going to be so much attention on him and everyone's going to be so focused on him. I don't think he's going to score in his first game. Um, not due to lack of trying. It's just, you know, the guy like that, all the hype. If you're Pittsburgh, you don't want to let them. You don't want to be the guy that got beat by Connor Bedard on the first goal, whether it be the goalie, whether it be the defenseman or the forward that's supposed to match up with him. I think everyone's going to be all out on him today. You know, maybe, maybe he gets an assist, maybe he passes it to Taylor Hall and he scores, but I think everyone's going to be zeroing in on him specifically to try to take the uh, the steam away there. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think he scores anyway. I think people aren't ready for the people who haven't faced him yet aren't going to be quite ready for his release. So that's true. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, we have a couple questions to get to now, Stephen. What do we have, my friend? All right, this one comes from Raven Mad Nine. Question, what round do you draft rookie prospects in a keeper dynasty league? Now that's interesting. Yeah, that's a very good question. And it really honestly depends on the year. So, and if for anyone who's who's listening doesn't know what the question means, rookie prospects in a dynasty league means the new draft class. So obviously dynasty league, you can have players from any generation, but every year you have to import the new rookie class into, into the game, right? So it's hard to know when you have the ability to have any prospect on your roster, how to sort of fit the new class in every year it is so dependent on the draft class so a great example is last year the class of 2022 you wouldn't want to be drafting any of those rookies early we knew it was not considered a really great draft class at the top of the draft in terms of players that were going to go right to the nhl even logan cooley at the time we knew was not going right to the nhl so in that case you needed to wait on that draft class this year 2023 is the greatest draft class at the top that we've seen in such a long time Bedard, Fantilli, guys like that, obviously you don't want to wait too long. And I could see someone taking Bedard in the first round, second round in that case because you're looking at his long-term potential and also his immediate impact. In my own keeper league, Bedard went, I think, 19th overall. Or no, 15th overall last week. I was I had the 19th pick and I didn't get him. I was devastated. So it's really a matter of doing your homework and just paying attention specifically to each year. So it means sort of following prospect writers like Steven and seeing what they have to say about each draft class. That will determine whether you reach early or not on the rookie. So next year, it might be a little different, but again, someone like Cole Eiserman, his goal scoring ability, that's probably going to be a player you want to reach on early. Macklin Celebrini as well. So there are going to be a couple of very special players at the top, maybe not quite in the tier of Bedard, but that will probably be a class that has a couple players worth reaching on as well. Yeah, you've, you've, everyone's probably drafted by now, but Connor Bedard is going to be a league winner very shortly. So I made sure to pick him very early in my draft. Um, Lockout Slayer asks, my league has a 10 skater, 
to six goalie category ratio. How would you assess that in terms of goalie value in the draft? So six categories to 10. I would say six categories is quite a lot for goalies. So to me, uh, goalies would have quite a bit of value there because you, you have to ask yourself, the skaters that you have, how many of them contribute to all 10 categories? Probably not many. And so then you're comparing a goaltender to maybe the best skater you have. Maybe a Brady Kachuk can contribute to all 10. But then again, he's not going to get many blocks, right? So the best skater, the most, the best sort of stat buffet skater might be an eight or nine category player, whereas a, a great goal is going to be a six category player consistently, right? So based on what I'm seeing, if you can get one of the workhorse goalies who plays a ton, one of the true studs at the top of the draft, whether it's a Jake Ottinger or an Ilya Sorokin or Connor Hellebuck and so on, one of those goalies is going to be worth, I think, at worst, a second round pick, maybe even the late first round pick based on that weighting of your stat categories. Okay, that's it for the question. So I guess it's time for our starting lineup. And I like this one a lot because I feel like if I ever got into politics, I'd want to do something involving you know, the education system. <laughs> and uh, it's, I don't plan on ever getting into politics, by the way. Uh, but I had some thoughts on how certain things kind of ran at school. Like the fact that, you know, we're still learning Shakespeare. Come on. It's literally backwards writing. There's no point to it. But you've been out of school for a few, few years, I'd say. Uh, I want you to name your top six things that you wish you learned in school. And sorry, that is not me calling you old, but it's <laughs> a fact. Hey, I'm pushing 40, my friend. So this question, this challenge had a wide variety of possible interpretations. The way I looked at it is I treated school as university or, if, or for American listen, listeners, college. And what I wish I learned, I, I treated it less as the subject matter and more the tips that I wish I could give to myself. Okay, so wide interpretation, but this is sort of like things that I wish I could tell my version of myself while he was in university. Okay, starting at number six, everyone said, don't go to the first day of class. Not true. If you're going to go to one day in the entire semester, you go to the first day of the class, that's when you're going to get your course outline, your syllabus, whatever they call it now. Then you're going to see the schedule. You're going to see all the important points. And that's when you're going to know whether to go to class or not, especially back then. You weren't necessarily getting it emailed to you. I'm sure now the technology is changing. It's all online now. Yeah, it's all online. But yeah, that's something I wish my version of myself then knew. I would have been able yeah. to skip so many more classes and been way more productive. Uh, number five, just in general, exams, context, it feels like it's really stressful. But as you get older and you have so many different problems, mortgages and children, it all seems a lot more trivial by comparison. So the advice would be try to enjoy yourself and know that these stakes are not as big as, as you think they are in the moment. Number four, don't wear a baseball cap when you go out to the bars, okay? <laughs> I think it cost me a lot of chances at romance, if I'm being honest. I have an asset here on top of my head. I didn't understand how to work it back in the day. I just wore, you know, slap a baseball cap on the head, wear a puka shell necklace rested on top of a turtleneck on the outside, wondering why I was lonely. I think the answer was right there. Right, it was the hat and the, the puka shell combo. Come on, uh, number three. Uh, this is more of a career one. So when I was learning journalism and working at the student paper, teach yourself to be more of a one-person show. So if you're a writer, learn photography as well. Learn editing of video as well, because now, of course, the more you can diversify your skill set, the more likely you are to have job security. Because just in the biz, people want a jack of all trade. They'd rather have one person that can do many things than hire multiple people. It's the sad reality of our industry. So the more diverse your skill set is, the, lo the longer you can hold down a job, the further you can go. Uh, number two, 
networking more important than the resume. Yes, you can get your yes. degree in journalism, your master's. It doesn't really matter that much. Every applicant for any job in this industry is going to have similar experience. What you need is the little connect the hookup. So find opportunities to meet people, gain advice, get mentorship, and those people can become uh, key sort of recommendations to help you get a foot in the door down the road. Uh, and the last one is, I wish I learned because it was just in its early phases at the time, I wish I learned how to use social media more to my advantage. I was just starting it, it, it Facebook and things like that were just brand new in my final days of university. And now I think the people that are most successful in this industry are the ones that know how to really use everything, not just Twitter, not just Facebook, but it's TikTok and Instagram, all those different things. I think those who are most savvy with all of those different media are the best at building big followings and, and having the most success. I think I missed the boat just a little bit. I'm a Twitter guy, but I don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to Instagram or TikTok. I'm just a tiny bit too old. So I wish I could have learned a little bit more of that in school. And that is the starting line of my interpretation of things I wish I knew when I was still in school. That one's good. Uh, I will say that Instagram sucks. Um, but also, and in TikTok, I've kind of just abandoned. I felt like I got stupider every time I went on there. Um, although you can learn a lot. Uh, a couple things I'll add is, yes, uh, the one thing was when I was in school, I went to what's considered one of the, the bigger um, journalism schools here in Canada, Ryerson, Toronto Metropolitan University. And I felt like there was a lot of issues with, you know, not really pushing to be able to do everything unless you took, like, you had to take a special podcast class if you wanted to do that. You had to take a special photography class. So the person, people who were focusing on writing never did that. And a lot of really good writers um, that I went to school with are just not in the industry anymore, uh, whether that's good or bad, depending on how you view it. But um, in, in the, that case, it's just, you know, you got to be able to do everything. That's why I learned photography myself, things like that. And I skipped a school assignment for photography class once to actually go and take a picture of Sidney Crosby practicing during the World Cup of Hockey. And they wanted a picture of... Um, of, of an athlete doing something. Well, it turned out I missed the part where I had to be a student athlete. I failed the assignment. I got access to take a picture of Sidney Crosby. And who cares? doesn't matter. I had to take a picture of some random no-name hockey player instead. Um, but also, the other thing I'll say is I feel like electives need to be changed. Way too many electives at both high school and university. I had a mm. high school one where it was a photography class, but it was such a joke that like a couple friends and I, like we would like, one day there was a fire alarm and we sat below the desks and we just kind of hid the whole time or we played a NHL 04 on my computer and we played like a whole like division three world championship in the double mod, like just things like that. Total waste of time. There needs to be classes that are a bit more uh, tuned to what we actually want to do. And that's my thought on the school system. Um, but that's, yeah, that's that. All right. I like it. Uh, that will do it for this week's episode. And everyone, hopefully, all the little bits of advice we've given you over the last few weeks will help you get off to a good start in your fantasy season. And if you don't, that's okay. We'll be here every week to help you get back on track. So we will see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.